Welcome to the Culinary Voices Podcast, where we highlight individuals in the hospitality and food service industry and give them a platform to tell their stories. I'm your host, Nathaniel Baker. If you haven't already, please like, follow, or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Today's episode is with Jira Robinson, a Philadelphia-based private chef, caterer, and entrepreneur. We talk about her journey into the culinary world and her views on the industry landscape. Now on to today's episode. Cool. How long have you been cooking? Professionally, anyway. Professional, yeah. I yeah. say, yeah. Professionally, like, about seven years now. Okay. Seven what, years. What got you started on that path? Um, I always cooked. So, because I always cooked, I was... I wanted to do a whole bunch of stuff. I never thought I would cook. I never thought I would try to be a chef. That was never, ever my plan. Um, and then, eventually, I was like, okay, I got to get do something Mm -hmm. and I was doing a whole bunch of different stuff and then I decided to go to culinary school because I was good at it I mean cooking and um I but I'm still here crazily (laughs) I'm still here uh what school did you go to La Cordon Bleu in Atlanta Atlanta all right awesome uh what made you select that one closest to me (laughs) I was living in Atlanta so it was the closest to me they had art institute and art institute was higher and I was like oh never mind I already got student loans from Howard so, okay. less loans, less stuff, and not just. And the Cordon Bleu was a, still a really reputable school at that time. Right. You know, now I think it's you know partly going out of business, if not all the way. But just the North American schools. Okay, yeah. New York ones, yeah. So it was um it was a, a known school at that time, and I looked it up, and I liked them, so I chose them. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess we should probably go back a little bit. Where are you from? Philly. Philly. Born and raised. How so? How did you end up in? So you said you went to. Howard? I did. All right. Mm-hmm. What was the progression? What What was your original plan, I guess, before culinary school? I always thought I probably would do something media-based because I went to school for communications. Okay. Um, I think that was something that I thought about and then possibly law because I've always been, like, trying to fight the rights. Okay. <laughs> That's always been me. So that was a consideration. But then, you know... Students, you know, student loans and everything <laughs> else, and then it's like, okay, you know, I don't know. And then it was always the plan to go back, and it just never happened, right? Unfortunately, but yeah, probably something in media or a lawyer. Okay, so what was that push between Howard and then the Cordon on Blue? Yeah, years after that, I was a real estate agent, I lived in New York for a while. Um, and that was cool. I did a few things there. And then I moved to Atlanta. Um, I was working as a bartender. And in the bar I was working at, the owner, he got locked up. And <laughs> that kind of made things. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to Atlanta. Because I used to visit there when I lived in New York. And um, I ended up supposed to be there first summer and just ended up staying. Um, and moving there permanently for a while. And then... In between, then I thought I wanted to do music. So I said I thought I was going to do something with media, whatever the case may be. Um, so I was an intern and I worked for a record label and I did stuff. And then I guess that was harder than I wanted it to be. I always was all over the place, like mm-hmm. always just wanting to do something different all the time. And I was eventually I was like, I got to do something. And I decided culinary school. I need a, a sense of accomplishment at that time. Okay. So what did culinary school do for you? It gave me some structure. Yeah. You know, I had to be there five days a week. You know, once I graduated, it gave me a sense of accomplishment. I always was smart. Um, and I always thought I would 
graduate college like that was always a thing so when i didn't i was like okay i gotta do something and that was the closest thing okay to college i had at that time all right so what was your first like real say industry job my first one i briefly worked at a hotel and then i left and i worked for a catering company in atlanta and i was there for about two years okay i was there about two years where'd you go from there i was all over and then i ended up stopping and then that's when i ended up working for myself okay as a personal chef and i did that for a while did that for a good minute and then i went back working at another restaurant well so (laughs) what so let's say what are some of the styles of food you you were doing along that that journey it was different because um like the catering was i guess you want to say kind of like new american i guess Mm -hmm. in the type of sense of way but we did we did a mix of things because it was, um, we catered to different people. So we had a few African weddings where we did, you know, or Asian, Indian. We did have some things where we did different ethnic foods. And then we did, I guess, like you would say, new American type of food. So it, it really kind of varied. And then when I started working for myself, it was pretty much all based on the client. So I didn't do as much creatively as i would have liked but it was better money yeah it was way better money yeah i think a lot of people now are realizing that they can make a good amount of money as a private chef or just working for themselves instead of a restaurant because it's kind of restrictive yeah it's is is way better is way at that time for me it was way better money because i was i used to you know bartend and had jobs and all of that so um i wasn't used to that and, and in the beginning, it was hard. It was, like, really, 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 really hard in the beginning to get used to that. Because you work hard in these restaurants and these places. And um, I had, like, two jobs. You know what I mean? Like, I was just doing a lot. And then I was like, this is this is for the birds. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is enough. Um, because, you know, you, you are taught to, like, work hard in the industry and, you know, work yourself up. And that's nonsense. I mean, it. It's it's. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's nonsense, but I've seen a lot of chefs that had worked in the industry for a long time who were older than me at that time, and they didn't have anything. So it was like, who are we doing this all this for? Right. Like, so that leads into a good question. Like, how do you feel about? There's a thing in the industry called paying your dues, or I guess in any mm-hmm. realm. Was like, mm-hmm. So how did you feel about that aspect? Because that's kind of what you're alluding to, is people feel like you have to pay, they had to pay their dues. Yeah, I think you have to pay your dues, but then there's a point at when is enough enough. Right. I've seen, you know... becomes exp- exploitation at, at a certain at point. That, at a point. When I started learning, like, the restaurant business and learning the fact that the mar the profit margins are so low that they don't really have a lot of room to pay people mm-hmm. the way they probably should or yeah. would want to. And with that being said, it's like, okay, you can go to this restaurant and you can learn a lot and and do all these things, but then at the end of the day, um when when do you make money to live? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of chefs around me, uh, they was all roommates. You know, yeah. people are on bikes. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
you're doing a lot. A lot of people, and I think that's why a lot of chefs, when they have people talk about mental health and all that type of stuff, they have those issues because at the end of the day, I don't care how passionate you are about something. If you're not making money to live properly, it's going to stress you out. Yeah. And so you have, I, I, I feel like you should pay your dues, but now I don't feel like you have to pay your dues. Back then, even though that was not 10, 20 years ago, but it was still a long time ago where, you know, that was a part of it. But if your goal is not to be the head chef, executive chef of a restaurant, then you got to reevaluate how much skill you want to acquire from these places and then how you end up monetizing it for yourself or getting paid what you worth. Because I know chefs that work at the best restaurants, but then they had to end up going to corporate because they had benefits and they yeah. had structure and these people have kids. So, you know, Hey, I got to the point where I had to leave the high end stuff and go, go to corporate. Um, I feel like as far as paying your dues, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it gets to a point where it's exploitation. Mm-hmm. So I think today in reference to what you were saying, paying your dues in the sense of get the experience, put some time in, learn so you can make a quality product. But don't get to the point where you are working so much and yet not being able to live. And then, like, we're talking about the high-end restaurants, especially in New York City. Pick any of the, the high-end Michelin star restaurants. Look at their sous chefs or chefs de cuisines. If they're not married, they're living in an apartment with several roommates. Mm-hmm. Probably a chef from either another restaurant or their restaurant. Mm-hmm. All right. Going even further back, was cooking uh, a big thing for you growing up? Or was it uh, food really important in your family? Yeah, I would definitely say it was important. Um, you know, when people ask me, like, how I learned how to cook, my mom would be quick to say, I ain't teacher. And she didn't. You know what I mean? Like, I learned from um, cooking shows on TV. That's really started my interest in cooking. But my mother cooked a lot. And the good thing about her cooking at that time is that my mom didn't just make um I mean, she made the food that most of us grew up on, but she really liked, like, Asian food and, mm-hmm. like, Latino, uh, Latin food and stuff like that. So, I got exposed to that early on. So, a lot of different things I was able to, products I was able to use. Like, I was, you know, 11 with fish sauce and things like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Because she bought those type of things. Um, and then if I asked her to get something, she would get it. But, um, like, our you know, like one time she got Brussels sprouts and I was like, well, I want to try Brussels sprouts because I seen it. And I was like, oh, I don't like this. But I ended up growing up later liking it. But, you know, when you like 10, Brussels sprouts is not what you want. But my grandma cooks. She's a really, really good cook. Um, if you go to her house, it's always a plate of food somewhere. All my aunts cook. My aunt actually has her own catering company. And she's really good at what she does. Um, so fam- food has always been a part of my, our family. I think... You know, everybody says about their family, but my family definitely has some of the best food. Okay. Definitely. So probably had an impact on how you view food today then. In some ways, yes. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. so you're being exposed to all those ingredients. I know some, some people don't get exposed to anything outside of their own culture mm-hmm. until later on in life or going off to college, but you had already. Yeah. I still, I was able to, you know, do stuff. Like I was baking pizzas when I was like 10. Like she would buy stuff. You know, if I asked her, mm. she would get it. And like I said, because she, we had different sauces and spices and, you know, five Chinese five spice and all types of stuff like that. I mean, we had the typical, you know, regular food, but we also had some different things and she didn't mind like either making it, trying it or, um, or getting it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was good. Okay. But you didn't get the, 
you didn't have the desire to like cook professionally until after college and then yeah until later on until later on because i didn't see one i didn't see nobody black really doing it you know to be totally honest and especially not no black females and like i said i grew up in the emerald lagasse era so Mm -hmm. if there was somebody i would have seen them um so i didn't aspire to be there and i didn't really see any money in it Right. At that time. And then later on, I'm like, okay, well, like I said, I needed something to do. It was either that or I was going to try to be um, a paralegal. And I just ended up going with culinary school because it sounded funner. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what that was about. Yeah, you're still sticking with it. So something you might have enjoyed. It. I don't know how I'm still here. I switched so much and I still, I don't know. God must got a plan for me because I still am like, how am I here? I don't know. Yeah. Why. Now this industry has a tendency to do that. There's plenty of people that try to get out. You said you were a real estate agent at one point, and I, mm-hmm. I know quite a few chefs that have gone from cooking to now the real estate. So you kind of, I think did I'm going to take I'm going to take my test. I keep saying I'm going to take my test again, and um, I'm going to start back into that. Yeah, I am. But still cook. I'm probably always going to cook, yeah. but now I'm looking at ways to m- cook, but not having to physically be there all the time. Right. So I'm probably always going to cook, but I'm just looking for other ways to utilize the skill or the knowledge I have for cooking in other ways. Right. Uh, all right. So how have you been staying busy during this past year with all that's going on in the world? Um, how have I been staying busy this past year? It's like in the beginning, it was all weird. Obviously we didn't know what was going on. It was, but after all that passed, um, I started, um, selling food. That was something that I didn't want to do. I never really was fond of that. Um, But it worked out. Like, it gave me something to do. Um, And people were looking for, you know, different options. Everybody was eating out at that time, you know. So that took me, that, you know, brought in some income for me, kept me busy Mm -hmm. type situation. Definitely exposed me to why I didn't have a restaurant because dealing with people one-on-one is crazy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it it turned out really, really good. I'm going to actually do it again. Um, I think a lot of chefs had to do something, yeah. like sell food. You know, at first it's like, you know, I'm a chef and I work at restaurants and I don't sell food or plates or whatever, take out whatever you want to call it. But then it's like, you need money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people want to buy into what you have. So they see that you cook, they want to buy food from you, but depending on what type of chef you are, you may not, you don't have individual food to give them. Mm -hmm. So I think this past year was a good opportunity for chefs who never thought about doing it that way to kind of build their own name with the food that they want to cook. I went back into my business um, and started making things correct. You know, making sure my paperwork was together, you know, revamping stuff, changing websites, getting paperwork, you know, doing all the things that I needed to do. So I started to branch out on my own and starting to bring in, you know, like small dinner parties and things like that to uh, keep me busy and build that up. Because prior to that, I was I was working for a restaurant that that, then I was the one that closed down. And um, I was like, okay, well, I need to start working on me. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? What do you think is next for you? What's next? Well, the plan right now for me 
is to start to get products. Mm-hmm. Um, like spices and stuff? Spices, all of that type of stuff. There's a lot of people that are that I've seen or have been seeing that are not chefs yeah. that are for sure monetizing this culinary world. And I just think that's, I don't want to say unfair because nothing is unfair in that sense, but I think it was a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. To many, chefs. Um, to many chefs and you know when i see other chefs doing it it don't make me none but when i see other people i'm like god damn it and to know you know so many chefs that are or was struggling you know and people who actually like you said paid their dues mm-hmm. you know they deserve all that type of yeah. attention and income and money so i'm like instead of being upset or being mad or any emotions let me build my own situation because, you know, at the end of the day, everybody can't serve everybody. Everybody's not going to like everybody. So that is ultimately really my plan right now and working on that, Um, you know, build, obviously building my business up and trying to build more, you know, and get more clients and, you know, and, and those have increased my sales and, you know, working on different ways to market my business because I, I doubt i go back to a restaurant anytime soon. Yeah. If I do, it's just for my own creativity, just coming there, learn some stuff and probably bounce. Um, do you feel like this time away from the restaurants really gave you some clarity about what you wanted to do? Yeah. Th- yeah. Because, you know, I know I don't want to be executive chef. Okay. Like, I want my own. And when that was over with, well, Corona happened. I realized that mm-hmm. I rather. It's nice to say I'm an executive chef of this restaurant, especially a known restaurant yeah. or fine dining restaurant. But I think it's nicer to say I made a million dollars <laughs> in sales. You know what yeah. I mean? And when I'm seeing people with these with these accounts, I know I know a lot of stuff is fake on Instagram, but I know some people are making money. Oh yeah. You know when I see that and even like i said just selling crab boils it was something that i did because i eat crabs all the time so i'm like let me just do something i already do i made good money from that and i didn't do as much work as if i if, if i had it had been even better so if i can if i if that small part of seeing that and then seeing other people i'm like no it's better if i built my own because building my own then i leave room for somebody else who does want to be that executive chef and pay their dues and you know what I mean? And go there. I want to make room for her or for him and then be on this side. And, you know, and if I'm employing people and employing myself and, you know, and having a a successful business to me, that sounds, that just is more appealing to me right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I think COVID for me definitely exposed the fact that there's money out there because the old adage that there's no money in the food industry, Mm -hmm. uh, the doors on that have been blown off. There's been so many, private chefs that have exploded or have been busier than ever. Mm-hmm. And then all these people selling their spice blends or their sauces. And like you said, there's people from outside the industry that saw an opportunity and may not actually even care about the product they're selling, mm-hmm. but they've got good marketing and people are buying it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, I'll say subpar to what it can be done mm-hmm. because they don't have the passion for it. And you have all these chefs out here who are struggling, looking for something to do. And this is an opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. Cause like you said, while it is a crowded market at this point, because it seems like everybody and their mama has a spice blend, mm-hmm. like I said, some of them are not good, mm-hmm. and eventually people catch on to that, and the, what is good will stick around past mm-hmm. this time. Uh, I don't want to have to say it, this uncertain time. Mm-hmm. 
So that's definitely uh, a good good method. So um, before I get too far ahead, since you did go to culinary school, um, what are your feelings on, since we, we've talked about paying dues, how do you feel about working in the industry versus just culinary school? If I could do it all over again, I would just work in the industry. Okay. Why is that? Because they wouldn't experience at the end of the day. Yeah. At the end of the day, they wouldn't experience. Culinary school is cool for the paper, but in my personal experience, the paper didn't stop people from getting them jobs. Nope. The paper didn't stop people. I know chefs that had all the paperwork and still did not become the sous chef or the executive Mm -hmm. chef. A lot of it has to do with your skill set your food, and who likes who. You know what I mean? A lot of politics when it comes to that. So the paper is nice. At that time, like I said, I needed and wanted a sense of accomplishment. And saying I went to Le Cordon Bleu sounded fancy and really cool or whatever. But I would have for sure just went in and said, hey, can I stodge? Can I work? You know what I mean? Whatever. They liked me. I'd have kept, you know, coming back and eventually got, you know, gotten hired and stodged at a few places. Because experience overall is what's going to help you. Culinary school teaches you, but a lot of stuff that I learned in culinary school, I did one time. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing it repeatedly, it doesn't matter if you got taught how to make bread once. If you ain't made it after that, then what does it even really matter? You know what I mean? So I like the structure of culinary school and all those things, but to me, the experience is is. In this in this industry, it's better, and this is I think that's why some of them are closing, like Le Cordon Bleu, yeah. because the cost that it the and it costs too much. You know, maybe if oh, culinary yeah. school didn't cost as much as it did, I could be like, yeah, you should go, but it costs entirely too much for you to graduate and then be getting paid ten dollars an hour. Yeah. It's definitely a validation piece for or for some for people sure. going to school, and for me, uh, it was. especially especially in our community, it's uh, some people feel a need. But like you said, the the cost of it alone is a giant barrier to entry. And places like the the Cordon Bleu in the U.S. or I think the Art Institute's quite a bit of the, all those for-profit schools have shut down because they were selling a, like a bill of goods to people that just didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. They were promising people something that it's like wasn't real. Yeah, going to culinary school doesn't make you a chef. It just gives you a bit of foundation, but only if you apply yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can go in the industry. Even though I did go to culinary school, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm happy that I did, but I understand the fact that you can get a decent base in the industry as well, as long as you're selecting the right places. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So going from there, is there anything you would you'd like to see change about the industry? Um. Yeah, I think as of right now, I would like there to be more representation of black chefs mm-hmm. and female chefs of color and not just for the color of their skin or their experience of being black or being Asian or being whatever, talking more about their food and how they express their talents and their creative ability through their food. And if they have restaurants putting more emphasis and media coverage on those, I mean, being in those articles and the media does get you attention overall where people do want to check you out, but I would like it to be based or not even based, but be more about, okay, this person has this restaurant and he has this, so people can, you know, support them. And not just support them because they're black, because you need people that's going to go there all the time yeah. to keep them there and giving, you know, black chefs opportunities um, and not in seasons. Just wanting to be in competition like everybody else 
Yeah. Not because, you know, somebody wants a special handout because nobody wants that. You just want to be respected and recognized like everybody else because we for sure have those those talents and skills. Yeah, especially um, outside of Black History Month or something traumatic that happens and now all of a sudden yeah. they want to highlight people. You know, Black Lives Matter is going on and now we want to talk about the black food experience, but we should be talking about the black food experience all the time yeah. and not, and just, just the food. And I think that's something else I would like to see change. Well, not as far as the industry, but like the mindset of a lot of uh, black chefs, you know, their experience with black food. We just, we, we just put black food in this fried mac chicken and macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. But in reality, First of all, we ain't come up with macaroni and cheese, so let's just it is what it is. You know, let's do some research here. And even if with fried chicken, whatever is black food is deeper than 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 fried chicken. Yeah. And my thing is, I don't want us to shy away from. I think we just the first step is one doing history and on black food. Black food is deeper than America. You know, you have the Caribbean, the entire continent. Africa, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, and all over the world, and we've been all over. So there's so many layers of the African American food experience that you can touch on, and then when you know that history, you can create dishes based off that history, Absolutely. so you don't feel limited and only making fried macaroni and cheese and collard greens. Because when you know the history, you'll know it's way deeper than that. And if you are going to do quote unquote soul food or you know southern food whatever just make sure you monetize it because we also talk bad we talk down about that food but then i go and see other chefs that are not black that are making money from that food so it's kind of and getting famous off that food so it's like it's a catch-22 is either you are going to you, you go on this side and i think the issue is we're not trying to not we but some chefs are not trying to um they're not proud of the of of being a, a chef that makes black food. So you try to cook the other food and yeah. then when you're cooking the other food, you're not getting recognized for it, so now you have a problem. Right. But then you leave room for the other chefs to make our food and then they get a, awards and restaurants and it's just like it's 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 so weird. It's so weird to me. It's the like cycle of frustration. It's a cycle of frustration. Right. It's like we either got to be proud of some of the food that we cook if it's so food, and make sure we like monetize. Like I always bring the example, none of the fried chicken places in America is owned by black people. Yet we are the ones that are known by them. So can you imagine if Popeyes really was owned by a black person? Mm-hmm. That a billion dollar company, what that would have did for the black economy? But we they use a black lady to sell it, mm-hmm. but we don't own it. You know what I mean? And that's why I said my future, I'm trying to do more of an ownership situation is 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 deeper than just how it's deeper than a plate to me. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's a great answer. So like just sum it up a little bit. Diversity in who they're uh, giving attention to as opposed to just the one select. Because like as we were talking before I put the we started recording it seems like there's a cycle of there's one black chef at a time mm-hmm. or maybe two at max mm-hmm. that gets attention. And it's great for that one person and they may want more, but it seems like that's it's like a one at a time mentality with like the mainstream media. Um, as well as you, you did touch on a fact about chefs not feeling like they can cook the food they grew up on. It's like everyone else seems to be able to cook the food mm-hmm. they're familiar with. French can do French, Italian can do Italian, but... As soon as a black chef starts cooking collard greens, like, oh, that's all they know. I was like, well, that's not. Entirely- and I think 
we do that to each other. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's not, I don't think it's, I don't, I haven't seen, I'm not saying it's happening, but I don't see white chefs saying, oh, they only can cook fried chicken. No, we criticize each other mm-hmm. because I hate to go back to it, but it has to do with slavery because we've been raised and conditioned to think that we're anything black is not good enough. And they did that to us. So anything that's black, we always kind of downplay it. Like, and, that, and that's another issue with black restaurants or black chefs. We, you know what I mean? Like everything with us is downplayed. We are at the lowest of that hierarchy of food. And that's because we don't put enough pride into the stuff. I can't tell a French chef to make Italian food. Like they would, they might be upset at me. I can't tell an Italian chef that he needs to make Asian food to be a good chef. He's going to be looking at me crazy. Mm -hmm. A Japanese chef cooks sushi. Not all of them, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean? They don't need to cook Thai food. They don't, for what? That's not where they're from. Why can't black chefs, you know, cook their food and be proud of it? it. And one of the reasons is because they don't know black food. How can you cook something and you don't know it? How can you be proud of something and you don't know it? I was watching an interview with Nipsey the other day, and he was like, it's real hard when you're not connected to a country. It's a yeah. real big disconnect because, you know, obviously we're here. This is our country in a sense, but there's a disconnect here. Yeah. So, you know, when I'm if I'm uh, Italian and I cook, no one tells Mario Patali that he he's not a real chef because he cooks Italian food, you know. What's my other guy that I like? Uh, with Massimo. Um, yeah, he cooks Italian food and he cooks and and he got criticized from from his Italian people because he was making a modern version of yeah. it. But eventually they got into it. And I tell black chefs that, too, like you can still even if it's just black or soul food, why can't you upgrade it? Mm-hmm. Why can't you? How can he be known for this dish for the crispy side of lasagna? Because now at this job, and now at this point, it's just because you just don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Because you've been taught that the French or the European way of cooking is the best way of cooking. Well, is it really? Or did they just, the only ones who just written it down and they, you know what I mean? And controlled it in a sense. Like, who who says that? Right. And not not understanding the influence of, like you said, the continent of Africa. If you... Go back. Yeah, if you go back and do the history of the food, or even in this country, let's talk about... You said you mentioned New American a couple of times, which is uh, when I started out in cooking, it was something we used as a catch-all. It's like New American was... That's all, the term. Yeah, all food. Mm-hmm. is Because we're America, we make everything. Mm-hmm. But like, if you look at the influence that black people had on this country, especially in the food, or look at the influence that the different countries within Africa have had within trade and spices. And I know when you say rice, most people think Asia, but there's a heavy rice culture. In oh, Africa. Absolutely. Heavy. Even tomatoes, you know, Africa is like one of the mm-hmm. the top producers and stuff of tomatoes. It's so much. You think tomatoes, you think of Italy. No, right. bro. That's not it. Mm-hmm. That's but that's a, it. a history and education that uh, has to be dived in by everyone, actually. Not just mm-hmm. black chefs, but in general, people don't mm-hmm. know. Like, you, you, you uh, I think you mentioned macaroni and, che- yeah, mac and cheese. Like, Italians will say they created pasta, but there's an argument that Asia created the noodle first, mm-hmm. which would be the precursor to... Mm-hmm. But this is a whole history of things and no reason uh, to like pigeonhole yourself into one thing. And mm-hmm. from my personal opinion, it's like if you do some research, even if you only do your the one style of food that you like, and there's nothing wrong with that because everyone else gets to do it. Mm-hmm. If you want to stick with your one style, you can still learn outside of your style so you can apply it mm-hmm. to your own food. There's David Chang does that all the time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He He's not cooking Italian food. 
he's cooking Korean food, yeah. but he is a trained chef yeah. and he's able to put out, you know, the food that elevates that. Or if it's right, he puts out like everybody else is proud of where they came yeah. from and they put that dish out. If you do decide to cook something else, then fine. But black chefs should not have, you should not feel like you can't have pride in your food. Right. Put it on a plate and that it can't compete. With another, well, he's actually a good example because he went through the same thing too. He didn't want to cook Korean food at first, mm-hmm. I believe. I think hearing his backstory is like he grew up in uh, the French restaurants and all that, and that's mm-hmm. where he got his temper from, and maybe some of the other issues he he is, says he's since fixed. But mm-hmm. it took him a while to get around to it. So we're not the only like Mm-mm. a lot of especially in America, this country where where our industry was so focused on French cuisine, and mm-hmm. then Italian was it. So it was like French and Italian, and those were the acceptable high-end mm-hmm. things of what you can charge for. Mm-hmm. So it seems like any group that is not from the like a, maybe the European descent mm-hmm. has gone through that in this country. Yeah, and then, you know, like I said, I even see when I see, you know, Latin and Mexican, a lot, a lot of them, they cook their food, you know, and, 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 and not even that when you try to make it high-end, like a Mexican chef can make tacos, and we're like... That's fine. I feel like if a black chef makes fried chicken, we criticize them. It's like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we cook what we know or what we are exposed to. Like, but there's a such a, it's, it's such a more of a racist, biased, stereotypes, all this crap that's behind why we don't make certain foods or feel ashamed of eating certain stuff that it takes away from the food itself. You know what I mean? Mm. Because at the end of the day, what does it matter? If I cook what I grew up on, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? You know, but I just don't want people's black chefs to feel like they 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 can't make their food and still be a real chef. That idea, I, I that I don't like because okay. I see some bomb chef, black chefs that make, yeah. you know, they have our flavors, but they present it in a high end way, mm-hmm. and we could do the same. Yeah, you could do that with any cuisine because, like, honestly, even so. Going back to French food, mm-hmm. the things that are popularized within like the high-end French food, you go far enough back, that was all peasant food. I had this conversation yesterday. It's all the things, it's a circle. All the things that are popular were mm-hmm. peasant food at one point. Mm-hmm. Come to this country. People love lobster. That's still high-end within this. At one point, lobster was not appealing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was served with prisoners. I think well, most people have heard that story. It was served mm-hmm. in prisoners to the point where they didn't want to eat anymore. It was mm-hmm. considered torture. Mm-hmm. So it's like we can elevate Anything. It's something I, the people that have worked for me, I train them. It's like, even if you're making a burger, you can make it the best burger possible to your, uh, to your abilities. Mm-hmm. You can put the care and attention to, into anything and make it better. Speaking of chefs, I noticed on, on your Instagram, you have, you have actually shouted out some chefs that are doing some amazing work. Uh, there's a lot of uh, chefs in the UK that are doing that high end thing. Mm-hmm. Even in this country, there's plenty all over the place, which is the purpose of this podcast is mm-hmm. so I can go around highlighting people because like you said, before you got in this industry, you never really saw anyone that looked like you mm-hmm. or like either the gender or race. Mm-hmm. What does representation really mean for you? You can't be what you can't see. So I think representation is very important in every aspect. Um, not related to cooking, but I went to the doctor. Was, I don't think it was like last year or whatever it was. I happened to be with my niece. My doctor is black. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the office was black. Mind you, I never even thought about it at that moment, at that day. Mm-hmm. My niece was with me. She was like, Angela, she was like, everybody in your doctor's office is black. And she smiled. 
Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, this was a thing for her. You know what I mean? Because you know what I mean. Because seeing that the people at the the doctor's office, the doctor being black, that allows her to feel like maybe she could be a doctor. And also, coincidentally, she wants to be a plastic surgeon. Okay. So you know what I mean. That helps. And then, and in any aspect, representation matters because that's why I always highlight as much as I can. You know, whenever I see it, black chefs and and female chefs, so people see that these chefs exist. And even though you may not see them on your day to day, because sometimes we get caught up in Instagram and our feeds. Understand, Instagram is only going to show you what they think you like, and your feed is only the people that you follow. Yeah. So if you don't see people doing certain things, that's because you ain't following them. You understand what I'm saying? You're not exposing yourself to them. They're not just going to drop into your Instagram feed. You know what yeah. I mean? Or, or these people are not just going to drop into your lap. Come across your come radar. across your you know your radar. You have to be searching for these people. So it's like we get caught up in what we see every day, which is normally something on social media because most of us on our phones, and we think that that's reality, but it's not. So when I talk to other chefs that are from other places and other countries and whatever it's just to you know connect with them 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 to connect with me and to show other people like hey there are black chefs that are that are doing these things mm-hmm. you know you may not see them but they are here and here and i want you to see them and then follow them and then you show somebody and, and some of the people that i've posted before i've seen other po- i've seen people that i know who follow me post them you yeah. know what i mean again so it, it's a cycle to you know, have that positive representation because you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. We kind of do it ourselves kind of, since it's not in the media, we got to make sure it Mm -hmm. happens. Uh, So touching on the the doctor story, um, that's a conversation I had is it's something we don't necessarily understand or like, or not understand that we don't necessarily realize most of the time. It's subconscious. So I had a conversation with one of my classmates when like my first go around in culinary school is like, Mm -hmm. they didn't understand why representation matters. Like, to explain is like well you don't have to think about it because you see yourself everywhere mm-hmm. it's like but for some people because it was a, i think there was a young lady and she was from i can't remember but she was from overseas and she says i she wasn't feeling confident that day because she's like no one in my family believes in this and i don't see anyone from my culture that's doing this or anyone that looks like me i'm like mm-hmm. he didn't get that he's like why would you need to see someone i was like you don't think about that it's like you turn on the tv yeah. you see it you go on a job interview the person interviewing you Nine times out of ten, or ninety-nine out of a hundred, mm-hmm. they look like you. Or, you know, mm-hmm. so it's just something we don't, we may not think about, because sometimes it, that youthfulness it hits you. They they realize it, and they mm-hmm. internalize. It, they may not speak it, but just fortunately said something, and like now you kind of forefront of your mind of represent how important representation is, especially at a young age. Mm-hmm. Seeing someone, that's why, regardless of your political views, that's why Obama winning presidency was a big deal for everyone. It's just mm-hmm. like. Something we never thought we'd see. Mm-hmm. Whether you agreed with the policies or not, or whether you voted for them or not, mm-hmm. guarantee you never actually thought it would happen. Right. Um, going from there, uh, just to circle back to uh, creativity. So how would you describe what you'd want to do with your food? Right now, I want to kind of elevate my food and make it a little bit more modern. Just for my own personal gain. Okay. Um. I cook, like, being a personal chef, that's not all. I'm not going to say it's not needed, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily required. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not going to win no awards for cooking, you know what I'm saying, for good people's house. But I do want to elevate my cooking, I think, as far as creativity. I think, you know, I do know how to plate well. I know how to put something, you know, put components together and uh, really make a dish. Um, it's a lot of things that I haven't um, been able to post. That's why I said I need to start posting more so people know. You know, because people, once again, you can't be what you can't see. So I can't tell somebody I do something and I haven't really posted it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I'm not showing it. So, you know, it's definitely more things that I can do that I need to post on my page. And that's something that I keep saying I need to do. Um, but as far as creativity, you know, I'm, you know, books help a lot. And, you know, YouTube and stuff help a lot. And just trying to put out... Uh, better food you know every single time yeah just you know. continually trying to grow continue you have to you know i don't you know if you're not growing is this i don't i don't know what you're doing you know every time you cook in the kitchen you're gonna learn something yeah. you know and it's from anybody you know i've learned how to cut a a, a pepper pop 20 times you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's like you could just cut the top off, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, do it this way. No, do it that way. You know what I mean? So simple stuff from learning how to cut something to how to make sauces and, or whole sauces or meats and all of that type of stuff. Like that's always something that's on my mind. And that's why I like working in the industry. So even though I know I can make more money outside of it, I still go because I like to be a part of the create, create, you know, creative yeah. process and, you know, and being there. So to go, you know, death right now is kind of modern, you know, add a little more more modern take to my food but you know i love to see it from other chefs and um would you say that the the ability to be creative is what's kind of kept you going with this because you have other skill sets you have other things you know that you can do and you you mentioned mm-hmm. that you at some point want to but you'll stick around cooking is the ability to be creative one of the things that keeps you going with this probably um i think i'm a creative person um I could draw. I used to draw a lot when I was a kid. Um, it's like really good at art and stuff like that. Like I said, I just knew I was going to do something in the music industry. So the creativity part is probably why I still keep with um, cooking. Because guess that's the best thing about working in the culinary industry and, and, and cooking is that you can, you know, it's all about creativity, adding things and see if they work and testing them out. And, you know, all of that is, is, is definitely an artistic thing. Definitely. All right. So, anything you would tell someone new to the industry? Like any advice, hmm. or or even better, something you wish you knew coming into this? Something I wish I knew. Outside of the fact that the pay is really low. I wouldn't have went to culinary school. Yeah. Like I really, and I and I can't say I didn't know that because I did know that because there was chefs that I knew that said you don't need to. Mm-hmm. But like I said at that time, I needed a sense of accomplishment. But I wouldn't have went to culinary school. I would have went straight into the industry. I would have went straight into the industry. And I really would have, you know, just got as much knowledge as I could have, you know, at the places that you are, you know, use them for as much information as you can get from them. Sometimes we work at places and it's just a job. And so we do the bare minimum, you know what I'm saying? But I would extract as much information as I could out of whatever places I worked at. And then I I would go out on my own. Uh, have you had any mentors throughout your career? Hmm. I haven't had a direct mentor, but I've had people. I got brought up Elijah. Um, in some ways, I don't want to say he's a mentor, but he's definitely somebody that I look up to. 
that I've... Elijah, like Elijah Millie? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I've had mentors, and I guess in a sense in the restaurants that I worked at, Mm -hmm. um, Sean, he was one, Wally was one that I really liked. I have a lot of chef associates do bounce ideas with them or speak to them about the industry or whatever, but I haven't had like a one-on-one so more so you have a network of people that you can rely yeah. on and like bounce ideas off of and yeah i okay. haven't had one that i was like and maybe i wish i did not think about it maybe i should have had one that might have helped <laughs> <laughs> it's never too late it's better, you know that might have helped because i i can't say somebody groomed me right was there was there any point during your journey uh, with the career that you, you thought maybe this wasn't the right choice? When they tried to pay me $9 an hour. That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I said, this is not right. This is incorrect. I just don't. Jesus Christ, Lord. No, I think it wasn't. It wasn't I think it was like nine fifty. It's like nine fifty. And I think, you know, color, culinary school should be ashamed of themselves for that. That is a shame because some people have to take out loans. Mm-hmm. How are you going to pay back? How are you going to live and pay back student loans of $10 an hour? How? That's why the corporate chef life is so appealing, even though the creativity may not be there. And the I, salary and the money the is there. The salary and the money is there. And I think that's the conversation that a lot of chefs eventually at some point have to have with themselves, the, especially the older they get. And then the more you know established they may you know have a family, get married. Because, like you said, you know, I think being a chef in some ways is like being an artist. And, you know, people are sensitive about they, they stuff. They, you know what I mean? So, you know, it's all about the art. But then it's like you art. Most artists living don't get money. Yeah. That's why the starving artist thing is so exactly. popular. So a lot of chefs are starving artists. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, essentially, you know what I mean? Your steak, I mean, your steak, your knife is your paintbrush. You know what I mean? It's the same thing, but it's just a different industry. So it's like you have to make the choice, like, do I come over here to corporate or work for myself or whatever other lane that's not in that fine dining, high-end restaurant because that's not, the money's not there. Possibly, you know, the money is there if you own it or whatever, but working in them places is more about a name to say, hey, I did work at, Lebec Finn, or mm-hmm. I worked at these places, but when it comes down to money at the end of the day, and I think that's why, you know, it was, I always switched because I was like, as much as I liked food and had a passion for food and, and was good at my job, I don't need money. Like mm-hmm. I, I was not the one that was really at wanting to struggle. I'm like, I don't like this idea of struggling. So I always was in and out of it because I needed to get me some, uh, you know, some real money. And it's like, I don't like that struggle part. So you got to make up your mind and, and be like, okay, what am I going to go get this job with Compass or Comcast or whatever? Because now I got benefits. Let me chefs I know don't got no health insurance mm-hmm. and gotten sick and had to go to the urgent care. And then that's a bill. And then you're still working 40, 50, 60 hours. You have no health insurance. You have nothing. A lot of these people have kids. I don't have kids. I don't know how people's doing it with children because I feel like I was barely freaking making it. And then so you gotta, you gotta, you definitely have to at some point make that choice and say, you know what, I'm an artist. 
but I need to be paid. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I remember I had that uh, realization at one point, like early on in my career. I'm like, I felt like I was, because working multiple jobs, I had a full-time kitchen job, but I was working other jobs to subsidize my full-time job. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm working. I felt like a, I felt like a crackhead. And I was like, I'm working to support a habit. Yep. My habit is working even more. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't working out. I was working from 8 to 2 to 3 to 11.30. Yep. I was dead tired. And then had the nerve, the second job, the chef said to me, he was like, I know you have another job or whatever, but I need you to not be so tired when you get here. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Like, and somebody, somebody I was listening to or watching, they was like, have you ever seen somebody with two jobs making money? Like most people with two, three jobs are still struggling. And that mm-hmm. was me. So so when he was talking about having other sources of income doesn't always mean to go get a job because no. people with two, three jobs, a lot of them are still barely making it. They're not actually yeah. collecting a whole bunch of cash. So it's almost better to find one good job than to work two or three of yeah. them. And then for a chef, I think the what we talked about earlier is like the sauces and spices or even teaching classes, just something on the side or like I know... Writing a book has been become popular, even mm-hmm. though I feel like some people need to put a little bit more effort into what mm-hmm. they're putting out, but mm-hmm. checking the sources, but uh, just having a product that can sell. I mean, yeah, there's work that you have to do mm-hmm. to make that product, but something that can sustain itself on its own and just sell it. Mm-hmm. That way you're not constantly having to be behind the stove or Because mm-hmm. it's like, you either, I, this is why I feel like... The, a lot of this is how a lot of chefs feel. I can't sell anything because I'm supposed to be a chef mm-hmm. in eighties, nineties, yeah, whatever. It's like if you do anything outside the kitchen, you're selling out. You're selling out type situation. Mm-hmm. I'm not. That's not what chefs do. Type situation, right? Okay. So now we're living in a different world. You know what I mean? And. I was watching Marco Pierre White. I was watching him on YouTube. Guess what? He had a little thing. He had Nora seasoning, yeah, the little chicken boy. And you know why? Because they cut him a check, and 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 he needed that money. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can you can be like, okay, chefs are like, I'm not going to sell food, or I'm not going to sell spices, or I'm not going to be a personal chef, like you know, all these things that people are doing now because that's not the chef quote unquote thing to do. But you either going to work yourself to death or you going to figure out how to monetize all the 20 years because every chef said they got 20 years experience you know they think mm-hmm. i got 20 years so you're going to figure out a way <laughs> to monetize these 20 years you'd be like how old are you 30 but i'm cooking for 20 years okay all right so you're cooking since you was 10 professionally okay got you but you're going to monetize this 20 years to make something work for you and your family. And it doesn't make you less of a chef. It doesn't mean that you can't go into a kitchen and rock, you know, a line like nobody, like no, you know, other person. You can still do all those things, but that doesn't mean that your, your skill set is less. And I think a lot of chefs think that like if I sell food, I'm, I'm going to be like a home cook or somebody else who's just cooking. But no, you're a chef. You're still a chef. It doesn't matter. What you do outside of the restaurant, you are still a chef. And if the restaurant industry is not treating you fairly, you we really got to step back and make a way for our own because at the end of the day, nobody's coming to save you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If that, God forbid, the restaurant, they go out of business, you're going to be laid off and you just have to find another place. So you stopping your talents 
because you want you think you're going to appear less of a chef to who? Yeah, there's more than just the restaurants to this industry. And if not, you're waiting on. If not, what are you waiting on the the the, the accolades from the media, yeah. which may or may not come because you see, like they are barely giving attention to black chefs. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Most chefs in general are not getting a lot of attention. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. As much as they should, and then black chefs are getting even less. And right now, it's almost like a trend. I don't yep. know if it's going to be. I hope I want it to be a permanent thing. But right now, it's a trend. So what's going to happen after the black experience is over? Are we going to be talk? Are you know what I mean? Are we still going to be talking about black chefs? So whether the media is talking about black chefs or not. But regardless, if you got a sec- executive chef job at a restaurant, you need to be figuring out how can I make sure me and my family is good. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. 100%. Is there anything else you want to put out there? Any projects coming up? No, well, I do have my seasons and stuff that's coming um, that I am working on. Hopefully, I'll be here within a month or so. Um, I'm really excited about that. And then later this year, I have some stuff coming with, like, cookware and stuff. I just want chefs to be able to monetize their talents. That's, like, a big thing for me right now. Like, I want them to be able to monetize their talents because I've seen a few chefs that passed. And it was a lot of, you know, things that they didn't have that I wish that they had had. And I feel like a lot of chefs are sacrificing themselves for this industry. And they're not looking out for them yeah. financially, mentally, physically, emotionally. And it's like food is intense, but at the end of the day, if your priorities is not in order and God forbid something happens to you, who's going to take care of you? And that's been very apparent with the pandemic. Yeah. So that really made everything like, you know what? Okay. I got to get myself together and I want other chefs to, you know, to, get their self together so that they can, you know, that they're okay, regardless of what's going on um, in the media. And then, you know, and the products and stuff, just be, you know, creative and have another another outlet. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's the thing. I just, I, especially black chefs, I just want black chefs to be great. Like, whatever they <laughs> want. Like, you know what I mean? Whatever they want to be and who they want to be and what they want to do, like, I just want them to, to have that, you know, to feel free to do whatever that they want to do. You know what I mean? I'm always rooting for us. So how can people find you? They can find me on Instagram um, at I am Gigi Denise. Um, and then my business page is at The Posh Kitchen. But I'm changing that name. It's going to be at Chef Jera soon. Um, and then my website is www.theposhkitchen.com. And then you can catch me on Clubhouse <laughs> if I'm ever on there. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. Once again, thank you to Chef Jira for sitting down with me today. As always, a big thank you to you, the listeners, for being on this journey with us. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Culinary Voices. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and a five-star rating to help spread the word. Join us for a new episode next Wednesday. I'm your host, Nathaniel Baker, and this has been the Culinary Voices Podcast.